0: So this morning we're gonna continue on and um, we're going to, in John chapter 11, we're gonna talk about Lazarus. Now, I, I can't talk about this. Every time I think about the book of, of uh, John chapter, in, in chapter 11, I think about uh, Lazarus and a sermon I heard 37 years ago. There are two sermons that I've heard in my life. I've been a believer since I was 17. That's been a while. There are two sermons that have affected my life probably more than any other certainly every couple of months these topics come up one of the sermons was preached by a man uh, by the name of uh, dr gerald durstein the very first sermon that i ever heard at strawberry lake uh, during the institute of ministry in 1982 gerald got up the first message i've ever heard him preach and he talked about the kingdom of god is at hand can anybody tell me where your hand is Right there, it's at the end of your arm, right? That's how close the kingdom of God is. That is one sermon that has impacted my entire walk with God, literally. It transformed my whole concept of God's grace and spiritual spirituality. The other sermon was preached by a man by the name of Henry Vanderbush. Many of you know Henry Vanderbush. I could tell stories about Henry Vanderbush and I didn't even, wasn't even around him that much but when you come to John chapter 11 I am reminded of three points I don't have the notes from 1982 but I know three points that Henry Vanderbush pointed out three points that he brought out of this that, that have come back to me over and over and over and over probably every couple of months I will grab a hold of one of these points now Before I go on and share that message with you, or what I remember of that message, we have a video. I want you to watch this video. This video is, uh, uh, it'd be uh, a dissertation from Martha, who was Lazarus' sister. Let's go ahead and run that.
1: Oh, sure. Everyone's still talking about Jesus. Raising my brother from the dead. And don't get me wrong. I. I am elated. That he's back. It's an astonishing miracle, really. But for me. I remember the story a bit differently. I sent word to Jesus that the one whom he loved, Lazarus, his friend, was dying. No doubt in my mind that he would come save his friend. But then the day turned to night, and I, I watched my brother slip away, one ragged breath at a time. The one who healed complete strangers left his friends to deal with the worst heartbreak imaginable, alone. Well, we all know how the story ends. My dead brother came back to life because Jesus told him to. As sure as I'm standing here, It exposed some flaws in my faith. I thought he abandoned us. I thought he should have been there and he was nowhere to be found. It felt like eternity. (laughs) We had no hope that there could ever be a different ending. I mean, how could we? shortly after that we saw him nailed to a cross struggling with the worst kind of abandonment I mean the son of God turns out was abandoned by his father
0: and nearly everyone else in his
1: life too. brother Lazarus died, Jesus let us wait for a little bit because he wanted to show us that no matter how bad things get, there's always hope for a different ending.
0: different ending John chapter 11 and verse 1 now a man named Lazarus was sick he was from Bethany the village of Mary and his sister Martha Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair so the sisters sent word to Jesus Lord the one you love is sick When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Okay, you gotta get the picture here. Jesus is out ministering according to John chapter 10 and verse 40 he's on the other side of the river the Jordan River along about where John the Baptist had been baptized we're not exactly sure some people speculate what community or what town it's anticipated he was some 20 to 30 miles away probably a day's walk away he's on the other side and when he gets news that Lazarus is sick uh, he didn't do anything He just hangs out. He tells the boys, the guys, the disciples, he tells them this is not gonna end in death, don't worry about that. Um, But it it probably took the messenger a day to get there and then Jesus hangs out for a couple of days and then all of a sudden uh, he decides that it's time to to go back and so they walk back and Jesus uh, says right away, you know, this sickness is for God's glory. We're gonna see that you know the disciples didn't quite get that, but so here we are we're we're four days is what it amounts to John chapter eleven uh, verse five. now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick the, so what a funny statement, okay, it's a funny statement. so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. when you say So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he took off on a dead run to heal him. But instead it says, so he stayed two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For if they see by the world's light it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Okay, so personally, I think you, you grab those, that, those couple of verses. Jesus talking about daylight, and he's talking about nighttime. He's saying that the Jews that were there, they're kind of walking by their own light. That's why they wanted to get rid of me. Don't base a theology around that, but that's kind of what he's saying. They were, they were in their own understanding. They weren't looking spiritually. So Jesus decides that it's time to head back to Judea. Here's point number one in this story, in this account. I believe this is an account. I don't think it's just a story. It's not like the story of Aladdin. This is the account of Lazarus, okay? But number one, Jesus never hurried. Jesus never hurried. You read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're never gonna find a place where Jesus ran off, he he took off, he had to get someplace. He never hurried. Here he hears that Lazarus is sick and he waits around for two days. Do you think Jesus knew that Lazarus was gonna die? Anybody think he knew that? I think he, being God, probably knew. Uh, But he didn't run, he didn't take off right away. Jesus never hurried. So I want to tell you if you ever get in a situation where you absolutely have to hurry in order to get the deal this is the only way you'll ever get your house refinanced is if you sign on the line right now the only way you can ever get a deal on a car like this is if you sign on the line right now you're never going to get a better time than this to do it. I'm telling you don't do it. Don't do it. If this is the only opportunity have you ever heard of the one day sale? you realize that that one day sale, I don't remember what company it was, they advertised that same sale for a year. <laughs> this is your only opportunity. Don't do it. Jesus never hurried. As a matter of fact, what Isaiah says is, they that wait upon the Lord sign the contract immediately, right? No, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many of you in this room, you can even raise your hand if you want to. How many in this room have made a snap decision that cost you a lot of money? I gotta get up higher. Not so I can see you, but so that you can see I did, I did it more than once. Not just once, I've done it. Well, you gotta, you gotta make a decision right now. Don't do it. Jesus never hurried. If you've got to hurry, if you've got to make this decision right now, then I'm telling you, it is not God. God's a God of peace. He's a God of joy. I've pulled this out so many times in my life, I can't even tell you. Jesus never hurried. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find, you're not gonna find any place where Jesus hurried. So the the, the guy comes, the messenger comes. We sent help. Jesus, your friend is sick. You gotta come, Lazarus, your friend Lazarus is sick. You gotta come, you gotta come now. He's really, really sick. And Jesus said, what? Well, it's not gonna end in death. Man, really, God's glory is going to be revealed. So we're going to chill. You got any mutton? He's just hanging out. He's just having a day. Don't be rushed, folks. We live in a world that wants to rush, 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 push, push, push. Scripture says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't look like the world, don't be in a hurry. Jesus never hurried. Anybody remember the account of the centurion whose daughter was sick? Jesus, uh, the guy comes and he says, I, I really need you to, 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 to heal my daughter. And Jesus said, well, okay, well, well, let's go there. And even the centurion says, you don't need to go, you under- I understand authority, all you gotta do is, is heal her. And From here you can heal her. Jesus was not hurried. Jesus didn't hurry. If someone's pushing you, don't do it. Look for peace. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Wait on the Lord. Do not rush. John continues. After he had said this speaking of Jesus, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So he's talking to the disciples. He said, we gotta go. And he said, don't you remember that they're trying to kill you over there? After this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought they meant natural sleep. You see, the disciples didn't have a clue what was going on. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake... I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let's go to him then Thomas also known as Didymus said to the rest of the disciples I'm not sure how he said this but he said well let us also go that we may die with him how's that for a positive attitude don't you remember that they were trying to kill you over there so what did they really expect Jesus to say oh Man, I'm so glad you reminded me. I forgot about that. I mean, I forgot they were picking up stones and trying to kill me. I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Let's go have breakfast. I think Jesus knew exactly what's going on. in here he says, Lazarus died, and I'm really glad that I was not there because I want you to see what God can do. I want you to see what the Father can do. You see, Jesus never hurried, and Jesus didn't worry you imagine Jesus? Oh man, boy! You know, I, 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 I yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, what, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when we get there? I mean, if he, if he's dead, I mean, what are we going? How am I going to? How am I going to tell the girls? I mean, what am I going to do? You ever, you ever worry? You ever worry? Worry is described as slow-moving fear. Sometimes I think it's fast-moving fear. The reality is, it's fear. What did Paul tell Timothy? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. What happens when you're fearful? When you're fearful, do you have power? Do you have love? Do you even care about anybody around you? When you're fearful, it's kinda all about you. And what about soundness of mind? Can't tell you the number of people I've counseled with over the years. When fear gets in, all soundness of mind is gone. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Jesus wasn't walking in. He didn't hurry, and he didn't worry. He was not worried about what the outcome was gonna be. How many of you know we worry about stuff that never comes to pass? It never comes to pass. 90%, 95%, the statistics are high. The things that we worry about, we lose sleep over okay I think I shared with you maybe I shared with you I don't know if I shared with you or not a couple of weeks ago I got a call from my insurance company we're working on a house in Frazee for a rental property and I get a call from the insurance company and the insurance company says well, you need to paint the house and put two decks and stairs and rails on the house did I tell this story? otherwise we're going to drop the insurance I'm like there's a hole four feet wide in the floor there's sheetrock coming down from the ceiling and I gotta put a deck on and paint it so that you don't drop the insurance? Well, that's what it is because if, if it looks like it's, nobody's living there, then people will come and they'll vandalize it. And so the insurance agent called me like three times in a week, in, in, in two weeks. And finally, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to have a written notice on this. And so we went back and forth. I spent two nights not sleeping, thinking about how I could get these decks done. While I was working on a deck I shared with you last week that I shot myself in the finger with a sixteen penny nail and it went right through my finger. All amped up about all this stuff, and when it finally came down to just, oh, probably six or eight hours before they're gonna cancel my insurance, I called the agent and I said, I'm not gonna get it done. I've been looking for somebody else. Figure out do whatever you're gonna do. And she's like, Well, let me check, let me check, let me check. Oh. No, it turns out that we're just gonna, if you have any, any building materials on site that are unsecured, we're gonna drop the coverage on them. <laughs> what? I've, just, I've, been, I've been building decks in my sleep trying to figure out how to put handrails on. I had no peace. Ready to use that nail gun on somebody else. You had no soundness of mind. I had no peace, and none of it came to pass. None of it. It's not like I got a stack of two by fours. I'm worried that somebody's going to steal all my two by fours. I don't care. Jesus never hurried, and he never worried. You ever find yourself absolutely in a hurry? Rush, 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 rush. You ever find yourself worried? The whole story of Lazarus, his buddy, his friend, and Jesus didn't hurry, and he didn't worry. And there's a third point. Let me go back for a second before we go to the third point. Do you think that God ever uses our suffering for a greater purpose? Let me me rephrase that. Do you believe that God can use our suffering for a greater purpose i'm not blaming god for our suffering but i'm telling you i believe he can use our suffering for a greater purpose right mary and martha are beside themselves our brother died our brother died i mean we buried him he's in the ground and Jesus, is his buddy, his friend, is one of his best friends. He's just, he's just 20 miles, he's just a day's walk away. Where's he at? Lots of commentaries claim that the death of Jesus was to test the faith of his sisters. I don't believe that at all. What did Jesus say his death was about? His death was to reveal the glory of God. Sometimes we go, all these struggles in my life, these struggles, they've gotta be a test and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know, John chapter 11 says, God uses struggles to reveal his glory. Doesn't make those struggles so bad, does it? When we're all part of the grand picture, God wants to use trouble in my life? I know some of you are sitting there going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. John chapter 11, verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Some people think that Bethany was two miles from Jerusalem, so Jesus was in Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't in Jerusalem. He was someplace else. But because they were close to Jerusalem, then many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them at the loss of their brother, almost like professional mourners. Okay, we're going to take this whole quarter of the church and when somebody dies, this quarter of the church is going to go over to their house and cry with them. They're professional mourners. That's what they do. That's kind of what was going on here. People were coming, and I'm sure there were some friends, the people that they'd known, so they went to comfort Mary and Martha. And Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha runs out to meet him and she says, Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But I know now that, I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. She, her faith was, was shaken, but she still believed. And Martha answered, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection at the last day. She had already, already uh, come to the conclusion that this is it, this is done. There's no good that's gonna come out of this. Jesus was not worried one ounce about. He didn't hurry, and he wasn't worried. John continues. Jesus told her, "I, I am the resurrection and the life. No one who believes, the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this?" Do you believe it? Do you believe that those who believe in Jesus will never die? you like, well, pastor, I've gone to a few funerals that were believers, and they died. But there's a different kind of life for a believer, isn't there? Sort of. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah. You're the son of God who is to come into this world. And after she said this, she went back and she called Mary aside. and She said, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went up, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus, where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell down at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, the first greeting, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with saw her weeping, he was deeply moved and his spirit was troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come, Lord, and see, they replied. And Jesus wept. Just a side note, John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Okay, leave that verse up there. Everybody, close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes tight. What does John chapter 11, verse 35 say? See, you can memorize scripture. <laughs> Don't tell me you can't memorize scripture. Shortest verse in the Bible. You can all have that memorized before you even leave today. John eleven thirty-five, 35, Jesus wept. The Jews said in verse thirty-six, "See how he loved him." But some of them said, "Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man had kept this man from dying?" Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. "Take the stone away," he says. Okay, okay. Now we all we 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 okay. We so see you're there. Jesus comes you You know he can heal, you know he couldn't couldn't he have saved him? I mean, if he had been here, couldn't he have saved him? We know God that you're the resurrection of life. You said that Jesus, we know that, and when the rubber meets the road, and Jesus says, "Take the stone away, what do they say? Woo-hoo! oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait no, no, I, okay, take the stone away, but Lord Martha says, the sister of the dead man." By this time, there's a bad order. He's been in there four days. King James says, surely he stinketh. He's been in there four days. Surely he stinketh. This is not gonna be a good thing. You don't need to do this. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? See, the whole purpose of this was to reveal God's glory. That was the purpose of this. So they took the stone away. And Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always heard me. But for the benefit of these people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He's outside the tomb. Okay, now I know I've used this description many times but it says his hands and feet were bound. How's he gonna come out? How's he gonna come out? He's gotta do the Lazarus shuffle (laughs) to get out of the grave. One preacher said, the reason he said Lazarus come forth because if he didn't, every dead person who'd ever died would've come forth. The earth would've had to give up the grave. Lazarus, come forth, so he comes shuffling out. Like a mummy. Verse 44 says, the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped in strips of linen with cloth around his face. Think about it. This guy's dead for four days. They're expecting him to stink horribly, and he comes bouncing. I don't know. I just can't get that out of my head. I can't, just can't. Jesus says, somebody take off his grave clothes. I mean, they're all standing there going, good, look what just happened. Look what just happened. He's like, well, some go get a scissors, man. Somebody cut the guy free. Take off his grave clothes. Verse 45. Therefore, many Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, and they believed him. But some of them went to... Uh, went to the Pharisees and they told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, the the supreme court of Israel, if you will. And what are we accomplishing? They asked. This man is performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everybody's going to believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So the plot is afoot. The fix is now in. We got to get Jesus. We got to kill him. Because look what he's doing. He's raising people from the dead. And when he does, people are believing him. He wasn't in a hurry. He didn't worry. And he walked in the answer instead of the problem. What's the answer? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Nothing's going to happen until I show up on the scene anyhow. He walked in the answer instead of the problem. One pastor said, we got to stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problem how big our God is. Right? Wait a minute. Only four people agreed. Stop telling God how big your problems are and start telling your problems how big your God is amen you want to get some victory stop don't hurry don't worry and stop walking in the problem start walking in the answer the very names the very names of God Jehovah Jireh means God my provider anybody have a need that you need providing for You need God to provide a house. You need God to provide for your college education. You need God to provide a car. You need God to provide. Then Jehovah Jireh is our provider. His name. Stop telling God about your, your need and start telling your need about Jehovah Jireh, right? There's a difference there. Uh, Jehovah Shalom. I don't have any peace in my life, Pastor. I've got so much struggle. I've got so much problems. God, you you don't understand all the problems. And God says, my name is Jehovah Shalom. Let me give you peace. I'm the God of peace. I have that. I want to dispense some of that to you. Jehovah Elohim, God the Creator. Jehovah El Shaddai, God the Almighty. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, are you sick? God's very name is healing. He wants to provide healing. And peace and resources and life and creation. He wants to provide all of that's just in his name. Stop telling God all the problems you got regarding those things. Start telling your problems all the God you've got. Because he can heal those things. He can take those things. Jehovah Sid canoe is one of my absolute favorites because that Sid canoe, that word means God is our righteousness. I have no reason, no ability for me to stand up here in front of you and tell you how good God is and tell you all the things that God can do in my own righteousness. The Bible says all my righteousness is like filthy rags. But he he is the coat, he's the covering, he's the cloak. It's in him that I have righteousness. While I'm in him, I have that. So oh, I struggle. You don't know all the sins I've done. I don't care. And neither does God. He is your righteousness. Amen? Amen? We need to switch the way we think. Let me tell you, we're gonna close here. I might even close early. But let me tell you how I put this into practice back in the old days, 37 years ago, while I was at the Institute of Ministry in Strawberry Lake. Strawberry Lake is what, 25 miles north of here? thereabouts Hibbing, Minnesota which is where I was from was 18 years old and as the one guy said I was broke as a joke man I didn't have here's the deal when I paid for my class at the institute of ministry 187 miles away when I paid for my classes at the institute of ministry I paid for the classes and I paid for my room but I didn't have enough money to buy the food ticket for that 10 weeks so something's gonna happen either God is going to have to provide or I'm going to have to get skinny. And you can see that the second did not happen. (laughs) So I got nothing. I am broke. I got nothing. I'm going back and forth every week because they didn't provide meals even during the weekend. They didn't have meals. So I had to get back to Hibbing to at least get food once a week. So I'd go back and the pastor at Hibbing told me, we'll support you, we'll support you, we'll support you. Well, that was nice when I signed up but it didn't happen a whole lot during the time I was there. So anyhow, I got this big old Chevy Impala, a big two-door, 350, uh, turbo-hydromatic 400, could pass anything but a gas station, right? <laughs> so I heard Henry, Henry Vanderbush talk about not hurrying, and I said, okay, God, if I'm not going to hurry, I've got to figure something out. So I disconnected the speedometer. I just needed to go slower than anybody was around me. Then I wasn't hurrying. Now, that might sound kind of silly to you, but that's just the way my brain works, okay? It's like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta step back. I'm, I want, I, that's why I drive a car with a V8, is so I can lead the crowd. That's why I do that. My truck has a V. I wanna be out in front. This is who I am. When I was a kid, see, when I was a kid, I ate a lot of lead-based paint, and all that lead settled in my right foot. So anyhow, okay. So I disconnected my speedometer and said, I'm just going to be slower than everybody around me because I'm not going to have that pressure. Now, the problem came with the worry because I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money. My car got probably a whopping 14 miles to the gallon downhill with a wind behind me. And that gas gauge, well, about as fast as the speedometer went up, the gas gauge went down. And so I thought, Lord, how am I not going to worry about it? I, I, I need to not worry about this. You realize duct tape's about that wide. When you break out a chunk about that long, it covers that gas gauge perfectly. No joke. That is what I did. I stuck a piece of duct tape over my gas gauge for three months. And I drove back and forth to Hibbing every weekend, and I had no idea how much gas was in the car. When I had money in my pocket, I put gas in. And when I didn't, I didn't look at the gas gauge. Because if I looked at the gas gauge, I was going to worry. Barry's laughing. He remembers me. I discovered it. I didn't have any money. What are you going to do? And here's the other thing that happened. Every once in a while, every once in a while, God just dumped a blessing on me. One week, Jay Bunker comes up to me. He's got a whole wad of money in his hand, he's like, here, this is for you. And I said, you know what, I just came back from Hibbing, and I gassed up my car, and I got enough money to eat this week, so it's not for me. And he's like, I'm telling you, it's for you. And I said, well, I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to take that. It's not for me. He's like, just take the money. So I took the money, and I stuck it in my pocket. And as I was headed back to Hibbing with a full tank of gas and a full belly, I came across a car just outside of Park Rapids, a Ford Pinto station wagon. And when I pulled up behind that Pinto station wagon, I could smell the battery boiling on the car. And the lady got out and it looked like a clown car. There was at least six kids in the car with her. (laughs) Zoom, 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 they kept pouring out. So I opened up my two-door car and we piled them all in. While I'm driving down the road, I said, you know what? can you get that fixed? And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, you know, all I can tell you is God gave me some money today and I'm sure it's for you. So I reached in and took that roll. I don't know whether it was 15 bucks or 1500. I have no idea. I believe that when she went to the parts store, it was probably exactly what she needed to get her car fixed. So I decided that it wasn't worth hurrying and it wasn't worth worrying. And I had a God who was a provider who was gonna make a way for me and I chose to walk in the answer. And for 37 years, for 37 years, I have pulled up the story of Lazarus every time I find myself in a struggle and said, God, I believe that I do not have to make some rash change through this. Instead, I'm gonna rest in you. Because you will give me the strength to mount up with wings on eagle. Every time I've made a rash decision, it's cost us money. Every time. Every time. You could ask my wife. Don't ask my wife. You could ask my wife. Every time. I'm done making decisions in a hurry. I'm done worrying about it. And there is a God who provides the answer. In the darkest of days, through the darkest of times, when things look absolutely the craziest, we choose to call on him. Because the answer can be far different than the way the problem looks right now. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you gave us the account of Lazarus so we can see how you responded. Here, this its a setup. The people want to kill you. And yet, Jesus, you went back into this situation to choose us, to show us how to live our lives, show us how you lived. You, you, there was no hurry. You could have been there before he died. And yet, you choose to reveal your glory by not hurrying there's no worry nothing's going to happen until you get there anyhow we don't need to lose our mind in worry about things that are not going to take place and God help us I pray every day that we would call on you as the answer we would recognize that you're the answer we can walk in the answer and not walk in the problem. Thank you for that example, and God, I pray that each one of us would be able to grab these points, and for the next 30 years, each one in this room, each one who hears me on tape, each one who hears me on the the Internet would be able to grab this truth and walk in that truth and find peace and joy and a lack of fear and a confidence in a God who loves us and cares for us. Amen? Amen? God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Have a great week, too.